This is a folk tale from Ireland, and it's called The Three Wishes. Now, there was once an idle wretch, a terrible, lazy, idle, useless, scheming knave of a boy called Billy Dawson. And Billy's father was no better than he was, and his father before him. He came from a long line of rogues, and he loved nothing more than cheating people. And he laced around, and he did nothing. Ah, if idleness, uh, you know, he was, he was second to none when it came to being lazy. When it came to doing nothing, people could come to take lessons from Billy Dawson. Now his father, who was very poor, and getting poorer all the time because he didn't work either, and also he was a cheat and a swindler and a rogue and everybody avoided him, so he decided that maybe, just maybe, he should find a trade for his son, something that he could earn a living at. And so he apprenticed him to a blacksmith for seven years. Now, Billy did not exactly take to working for a living very well, and he did nothing, laid around and idled, wasted time, and was cheeky to his master. Now, one day he was lying out sunning himself when he should have been at work, and his master came out and he said, "'Are you feeling okay there, Billy Dawson?' Yes, he said, I'm fine. You don't look so well. I think there's a sickness on you. No, I don't think so. Yes, he said, I can tell there's a sign of a sickness on you. It's called bone idleness, but I have a cure for it here. Uh, I've got uh, uh, something that will sort it out. A medicine. It's called the oil of the hazel. And he took out a hazel rod, and he beat Billy with it. He said, Yep, three or four doses of that a day, and that'll fix you. And he beat Billy black and blue until his bo idle bones ached. And he kept him at it at work. He was determined to make something of this ne'er-do-well. Well, time passed. The seven years went by. And funnily enough, Billy actually did learn to be a blacksmith but he still prepared, preferred to do nothing. But now he was his own master. He had a little blacksmith, little forge to himself, little blacksmith shop, and he lived there next to his own home. Now he'd married a woman called Judy, who was the same, cut from the same cloth as him. She was bone idle as well, and had a foul temper, just like Billy. And the two of them would fight and curse each other all day long, and they would hit each other as well. They would give each other strokes, and Billy would give her a black eye, and Judy would give him a black eye back to keep her one company. Ah, they were a terrible sight. And worse than that, they had two boys as well, and those little things went around in rags, just nearly naked, and they were always huddling around their mother's knee, begging for food, which, of course, there was never any. And he would go and stand by the blacksmith forge, and he would light it, but he wouldn't do anything. 
and so they became the laughing stock of the whole neighborhood. They were a byword for laziness and idleness and just uselessness. Nobody had any time for them. Nobody had any sympathy for them, because this was all of their own making. Well, one day, he was leaning by the side of his forge, doing nothing, and he could hear his wife inside shouting at the kids, because they were begging for food as usual. And an old man came in, and he said, Oh, sir, I'm a poor old man, I have been on the road for a long time, and I'm very, very hungry and very tired. Could you spare a bit of food for me? Ah, if you knew who you were speaking to, said Billy, you wouldn't bother asking that question. Sure, we don't have a scrap for breakfast ourselves to feed the bairns. But, anyway, I'll tell you what. The one thing that I can do for you is I can give you a bit of a warm by the fire. Ah, it's a cold, cold day, right enough, the old man said. I would be very grateful of a warm by the fire. So he took a stool and he set it down next to the forge and he got the old man to sit on it and then he pumped the bellows three or four times and so it was blasted out a bit more heat and the old man sat there and he stopped shivering. Well, he said to Billy, you know, I can see that you are in a worse situation than me because at least I'm on my own but you have a family to keep. And while I'm hungry, well, you have other people in the house that are hungry too. But I'll tell you what I can do for you. I can grant you three wishes. You can grant me three wishes, can you, said Billy. Oh, yes, I can grant you three wishes. Hmm, well, and he taps his head. Hmm, and he tugged his beard, and he thought and he thought. Now, being Billy Dawson, he didn't just think of sensible things to ask for. He thought, how can I cheat people? How can I get something that I can take my revenge on the neighborhood with? Something that will make them wish that they had never laughed at me. Hmm, something that will really upset them. So he said, you see that sledgehammer over there? I do, said the old man. Well, I want you, what my first wish would be is I want that whoever picks up that sledgehammer can't put it down until I give them permission. And if they start sledging with it, then they can't stop until I tell them to. And my old armchair in the house there, I want that when anybody sits in that armchair, they can't get out of it without my permission. And I have a wee push here, and I want any coin that goes into that push. Nobody can take it out but me. That's my wishes. Well, the old man stood up, and he was furious. You useless rogue, he said, you vagabond, you villain, you knave. You could have wished for something that would have improved your situation for you or for your family, or even saved your soul in the next world. But instead of that, 
you try to cheat folk? You're a miserable villain, he said. Little do you know who you're talking to, said the old man. Yes, I am a saint. I'm Saint Moraki himself. Yes, and I'll tell you what, if ever I see you again, then I will send you off to a place where you won't be cold. And he battered Billy across the head with his stick, and Billy was knocked spark out, lying cold on the floor, and the old man stomped off. Well, when he came to his senses, <clears throat> Billy was quite happy. You know, he thought, well, I should have asked for something. The man's right. I, I, I should have asked for something. But, but think of the fun I can have with the people and think how I can cheat them with what I have. And so he would invite over all the richest people in the village. The priest was invited. And so was the the uh, the local landlords and uh, and the lawyers and the doctors and anybody that had a bit of money was invited over to the house. And he was always very polite and ah, sit yourself down in the armchair. And of course they couldn't get out of it, and he wouldn't let them out until he'd had some sport with them and got a lot of money from them as well in order for him to let them go. Well, he also did some mischief with a sledgehammer that kept pounding away. Now, he put the money that he got into his purse, and of course, Judy, his wife, couldn't take any of it out. It was his to, to say when the coin came out or when it didn't. So, time passed, but, sadly, the reputation of Billy which was pretty bad before, became even worse. And people heard all about these things that he had, this armchair that you couldn't get up out of, and the sledgehammer that you couldn't stop hammering away until he told you. And so nobody went near him anymore. When he invited people to come and visit, no way would they ever go near him. And so the money was spent, and he was in as worse a situation as he ever had been. And people said that he had sold himself to the devil. Only the devil's work could be behind this, these wonders, these abominations. Oh, yeah, Billy Dawson was the devil's boy. Well, he'd heard this said, and one day... When he was particularly hungry, he thought, You know, if people are saying that I've sold myself to the devil, then I might as well do it. It's only what they're saying anyway. So he went down to a dale, to a little valley. There was bushes on either side of it, a nice, quiet, secluded place. And he shouted out for the devil. Hey, Nick, he said, come here. I want to speak to you. Well... A very tall, very elegant, well-dressed man stood in front of him. He looked like a lawyer, he thought, but when he looked down at his feet, he had hooves. Well, well, Billy Dawson, he said, a fine morrow to you. Man, a morrow, Nick, he said. How's things? Oh, can't complain, can't complain. How's the news with you? 
Oh, devil of me, he is much news these days, he says, but uh, how's things down below? Oh, I don't know, said the devil. I don't spend much time there these days. The Tories are in office, you see, and I'm kept more than busy up here. But what is it you want? Ah, oh, you know, I just thought I would pass the time where you are. Not much I'm wanting. I mean, I'm a rich man, I'm well off, and, you know, I had a very, very good, fine breakfast, and I thought I'd go and walk it off. And the devil says, <laughs> Yeah, come again, Billy. I know you haven't tasted food for the last twenty-four hours. And uh, as for money, well, look at you, dressed in rags. I'm only dressed like this, said Billy, because this is my working clothes. I don't wear my fine suits of clothes when I go into the forge, now do I? And as for food, ha, huh, I had a breakfast this morning that was so good that if you just sniffed it, it would put a pound of flesh on your bones. Hmm, said the devil. Well, I don't think that that's strictly true, is it, William? Well, you know, I was just kind of thinking. And what were you just kind of thinking, Bill? Well, you know, you always could do with a little more money than you have, you know. So, while I have plenty and all, like I said, but I would like a really Big sum of money. Proper money. Hmm. I see. Well, I can give that to you quite easily, he said. But at the end of seven years, said the devil, then you are mine, and I will come for you and claim you. Aye, you can do that. Right. The deal is done. Your riches is back at the house. But I'll be here seven years' time, remember? I sure I will. And the devil went and chumped over a ditch and headed off towards Downing Street, where it is said he has a great deal of influence these days. Well, Billy went back to his house, and sure enough, there was riches and riches beyond his wildest imagination. And boy, did him and Chudy drink that day, and did they eat. Now they were both famous for being boozers, and now they could buy as much whiskey as they wanted, and they wanted much whiskey, and they ate and they bought clothes, and oh, they lived like kings. Now all the people in the area wouldn't have given them the time of day when they were poor. They would have crossed the road rather than walk by them and talk to them. No, nobody had a good word to say to or about Billy Dawson. But suddenly people started to say, Well, actually, he's not a bad fellow. And he would be down at the tavern at night, and he would be buying rounds of drinks for everyone, and he'd be inviting people back to his house for a feast. And sure enough, they were very happy to go. Oh, yes, he mixed with lords and ladies. Now, he was something. But, you know what? 
He spent and he spent and he spent and he gave away bags of money to every knave and rogue around. Every villain got a little something from Billy Dawson. But if you were needy, if you were poor, if you were in real want, you wouldn't get so much as a copper farthing from Billy no, he did no good with his money at all. In fact, he made a point of not doing any good with the money. It came from the devil, after all, and he felt that it would be inappropriate to use it for any charity. So, after a while, about five years of this, he ran out of money. It started to be a case of, Ah, you couldn't stand me a drink, could you? Or, uh, I don't have much in at the moment. You wouldn't be able to take me home for a little bite to eat, would you? But a supper? Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. All the people who had flocked to him, who had drank his booze, and who had eaten his food, and who had benefited from getting gold from him, none of them would give anything back in return. And so he was as destitute as ever he was and he had to go back to his little blacksmith shop, and he had to start working there again. But, you know, people never bothered much about him. Nobody would go near. But somebody did. After seven years, the devil came back. Ah, Bill, he said, the time is up. Oh, you have a very good memory. Oh, I do that, said the devil. Oh, yes. And it's time for you to come with me. Well, fair enough, Nick. That's fine. No, there's just one thing, though. You see, I was making a set of horseshoes for a neighbor here, and um, just one shoe short. So just let me finish making this horseshoe, and I'll come with you. Aye, sure. Fair enough, said the devil. So he heated up a bar of iron in the forge, and he put it on the anvil, and then he said to the devil, Tell you what, I can never stand to see somebody lying idle. When I take the hot iron across to the anvil, give it half a dozen strokes, would you? Okay, said the devil. So he put the hot bar, the red-hot bar of iron on the anvil, and the devil started to sledge with the sledgehammer, and then he found that he couldn't stop. He wanted to stop, but he couldn't. Ah, you're an industrious man, said Billy. That's what I like to see. You wallop away there, your majesty, and I'm just popping out for a while. Where are you going? And, and stop this thing. Ah, well, maybe indeed some day. And off he went. Now, he went on the road, and he travelled about working as an itinerant blacksmith here and there, enough to put enough food in his belly to keep him alive and the old whiskey down his neck. But he was away for a whole month, and when he came back, there was the devil still hammering away at the anvil, and he was mad. Oh, he called Billy every name under the sun imaginable, and a few that were unimaginable, too. And Billy just said, Ah, Nick, 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 why the temper? That's terrible things you're saying to me. Maybe I'll just leave you for a while more. No, 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 William, no, please, do not do that. No, um, I'll, uh... 
Uh, <clears throat> yes, uh, I, I always said you were a fine man, an honest man, an upstanding man, a man of his word. Aye, uh, sure thing, Nick. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you give me another seven years, and the same amount of money again, and I'll let you free? Well, yes, I'll do that. So, the money is now already in your home. And so, Billy let him loose from the sledgehammer. He told the sledgehammer that he could let him go now, and off the devil went. Well, I needn't tell you what Billy did with the money. Him and his wife drank it, and they entertained lavishly all this, all his friends who couldn't be bothered with him then, you know, when they ran out of money. They suddenly remembered, oh, what a fine company Billy Dawson was, what a grand man he was. So they all flocked back to him, and they all drank from him, and they ate his food, and they sponged money off him. And so, again, after about five years, the money was all spent, and they were back to their abject poverty, and there would be friends, their fair-weather friends were nowhere to be found. Oh, no, nobody was there for Billy Dawson when he needed them. Now, again, one day, Billy and Judy were having a particularly big fight. She was just swinging a three-toed stool at his head when the devil appeared. My mercy, said the devil, what's going on here? Ah, oh, it's yourself, is it? Said, uh, said Billy. And he took a swing at Judy and belted her. Now, he was getting the better of this fight. It wasn't always the case, of course, but on this occasion he was getting the better of Judy. And you know something? The devil, he had a bit of honour in him after all, because he said, I can't stand by and see a woman being treated in this fashion. And so he hit Bill. Well, the next thing he knew, bang! Judy whacked him over the head with a churn staff. And she said, You leave my man alone. How dare you come in here interfering between a man and, a, and his wife when they're having a discussion? A discussion, said the devil. Aye, and how dare you hit him in his own home? And she belted the devil again with the, with the staff of the churn, and she hit him so hard right on the forehead that he lost his balance, fell over backwards, and landed in the big armchair. Well, when he tried to get out of it, he found he couldn't. And then Billy and Judy, who had reconciled by this time, they were standing there with their arms round each other, laughing. And they said, Well, Nick, what are you going to do now? Well, he said, um, uh, <clears throat> Maybe you would be kind enough to release me from this chair. Maybe I would. Maybe I wouldn't, said Bill. Well, you know something? That's a terrible long nose you've got there. You could use that as a weather vane, I'm sure. Don't you think so, Judy? Oh, I'm sure it could. Now, now, Bill, don't do anything too hasty, Billy said. Judy, get the tongs and heat them up in the fire until they're red hot. I will indeed, said Judy, and away she went. She came back with the red hot tongs, and 
Bell grabbed the devil by the end of the nose, and he pulled it, and he stretched it clean across the room, and then up the chimney with it he went, right up outside the house, and then he hung a top hat on it. He act as a weather vane. A perfect weather vane, said Billy. Yep, that's wonderful. The devil, who had had quite enough of this by this time, said, I'll give you another seven years and, and the same amount of money again. Okay, very good. So the devil was released from the chair and he disappeared as quick as a flash, taking his very abnormally long nose with him. Now, well, I don't need to tell you what happened. It was the same as before. And, you know, the same happened as well. The money ran out, the friends disappeared, and they were back to being as poor as ever. Now, the devil sneaked up the one day when the seven years was up again, but he decided that he would try to trick Billy this time, because... This was a man that you had to watch out for. He was able to cheat the devil. So he thought, I know what. I'll get into his pocket, and that way I will be sure to have him. He won't know it's me. So the devil turned himself into a golden guinea and lay on the floor a beautiful big gold coin. Well... Of course, Billy spotted this, and he rushed over to it, picked it up, and he put it into his purse. And then he put the purse in his pocket, and he heard a little voice saying, Ho, ho, Billy, I've got you this time. And he took the purse out, and the voice was coming from inside the purse. Now I've got you, you old sinner. Now I'll take you down to hell. Oh, I've got a special place set aside for you, Billy boy. But no matter how much the devil struggled, he couldn't get out of that posh. Not until Billy allowed him. Oh, it's yourself, is it? He said. Ah, ha, ha. And you are trying to trick me. Oh, no, Billy, he said, I was just having a bit of fun with you, turning myself into a coin. Oh, is that so? Well, I'll have a bit of fun with you, too, the neck. And he put the purse on top of the anvil, and he battered away with a sledgehammer on it. And, oh, the devil squealed, and the devil pleaded. Oh, please be merciful, he said. Oh, I've not been well recently, you know. I'm very frail these days. Ha, <laughs> ha, you look pretty sound to me. So he carried on battering until, in the end, Judy came to see what all the noise was about. And she heard the devil squealing inside the purse, and Billy laughing away at him, beating away on the anvil. And the devil said, Okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. You can name your sum this time. And Judy said, Then in that case, you let Billy go. You leave him alone. You'll have no more claim on him. I, I promise, I, I will. And I want twice as much money as I got last time, said Billy. It's done, it's done, he said. So Billy let him go out of the purse, and the devil ran away as fast as he could. Well, they did have twice as much money, and they had twice as much fun as they'd had before. And Billy, well, he drank whiskey like a champion. Man, that man lived on whiskey. And you know what happened one day? He did an honest thing. 
Yeah, very unusual for Billy. Yeah, the honest thing that he did was he went to sleep and he never woke up again. He died. No. His soul was wandering along, and it headed up towards heaven. And he remembered the old man that he'd met, this Saint Moraki, and he went to his home, and he knocked on the door, and he said, Ah, oh, Reverend Father, maybe you could uh, uh, help me uh, get into heaven. And he said, You, Billy Dawson, you will never darken the, the doorstep of heaven, he said. You can go to the other place. I told you where I would send you the next time I saw you, and I'm sending you there now to a place where you won't be cold. Well, poor Billy, he had to turn around and he walked down till he came to a great big black gate, and he knocked on it, and the porter there opened a little hatch and looked down at him and said, Well, what's your name? Tell me, and you can come straight in. My name's Billy Dawson, he said. Billy Dawson, said the man on the gate, and he shouted to an, another assistant, Go and tell his majesty that the man that he'd fear so much is here. And the devil came running down, shouting, Bar the gate! Bar the gate! Bar the gate! Don't let him in! For God's sake, don't let him in! Don't let him pass into this place, or he'll be the end of me! He'll be running the place before I know anything! <coughs> oh, the poor old devil! He wouldn't let him in, and Billy got cocky, and he said, Ah, so you're scared of me at last, are you, Nick, eh? And he stuck his nose through that little hatch. Ah, so you're scared of me at last. And the devil grabbed him by the end of the nose with his fingers, and Billy started to scream. And the fingers got hotter and hotter till the smoke stood up from the end of Billy's nose. And then, ah, his nose caught fire. You see, he had what we know as a boozer's nose because he drank so much whiskey that there was so much strong liquor in his nose that it caught fire. And then there was so much whiskey in his body that his nose acted like a wick. And it kept on burning. And he ran away screaming in pain with his nose burning. Well, after that, seems he couldn't get into heaven, he couldn't get into hell. He went around to all the bogs that he could find. All the biggest, deepest, darkest and coolest bogs that he could find and he dipped his nose in the bog to try to cool it down, but that flames would never go out. And, you know, they said that he had a beard that was like a wisp of straw, so the local folks started to call him the Will-o'-the-Wisp. And Bill is still a nasty character to this day, because he still tries to lure people into bogs. If they're going home from the pub and have had a few, he will lure them in until they fall in and drown, and he thinks that that is great sport, and he's still doing that to this day. The old sinner. <laughs>